0: Make sure to watch The Ringer's new live reaction show. I know you've heard of it. Talk the Thrones. Each week, Andy Greenwald, Mother of Dragons, Mallory Rubin, Chris Ryan, and our very own Macer Jason Concepcion are coming to you live after the East Coast airings of Game of Thrones Season 7. Talk the Thrones will stream exclusively on Twitter and Periscope right after each episode ends and can be found on The Ringer's Twitter handle at Ringer. There's no the, just at Ringer. They'll be reacting at the same time as you contextualizing the events and explaining everything that just unfolded. Again, the show is called Talk to Thrones and you can stream it live after the East Coast airings of Game of Thrones Season 7 on our Twitter and Periscope at ringer and i'm not done plugging the ringer we're pleased to announce the newly relaunched ringer.com this week we're really excited for everyone to see the new site check out our latest articles videos and podcasts at the ringer.com special thanks to miller light who's been with us since the beginning and have been fantastic partners to us we're thrilled to have them as the relaunch sponsor for the site miller Lite, the official beer of the ringer and all those people in north carolina sipping that miller light Welcome to GM Street, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. All right, Lombardi, today's big news comes out of Dallas, where Ezekiel Elliott was informed by Commissioner Roger Goodell of his decision to suspend the Cowboys running back for six games for violating NFL personal conduct rules. For more on the NFL's litigation process and the circumstances that are really surrounding Elliott's suspension, you can head over to Ringer.com to read Brian Curtis's reaction to the news and more as the story develops. For today, Lombardi, me and you, we're gonna we're just going to look at this from a football aspect of the decision. What does this mean for the Cowboys' chances to repeat in the NFC East, potentially without their top rusher?
1: Well, look, it's a team sport, so you have to try to figure out how to win the game around losing your best player. And it isn't plug-and-play. You have to adjust and modify. I mean, they can play Alfred Mars. They can play Darren McFadden. But they're not going to be nearly as effective offensively. Last year, they were the number one team in the NFL in running the ball on first down, 61% of the time, and they got over four yards. So first down, they were in second and six or more, just slightly more, most of the time, which took the burden of responsibility off Dak Prescott. That's not going to happen. Last year, if you just take the two players, McFadden and Alfred Morris, and you combine their stats, they averaged 3-5 a carry. Now, everybody says, well, McFadden got, you know, in 2015, he was over 1,000 yards. Yeah, they won four games. And in 2010, he was over 1,000 yards for the Raiders. But they're going to have to adjust their offense around Dak and the receiving core, the tight end core, to take some of the burden of responsibility off not having Zeke because Zeke did make a huge difference.
0: And let's talk about Dak. So obviously, Dak and Zeke come in last year. the rookies. You know, a lot of people were trying to figure out what the Dallas team is going to look like. And obviously, we saw how that unfolded. Dak was, you know, above and beyond. Tony Romo is no longer there. That's how it all plays out. It was almost to perfection if you were a Dallas Cowboys fan. For Dak Prescott, uh, we've seen him without Ezekiel Elliott on the field next to him. His completion percentage goes from about 73% down to 60%. What kind of impact will this have on Dak, and will this actually make Dak be more of a a leader on this Cowboys team now that he has to basically be the guy by himself in the backfield?
1: Well, I mean, the responsibility is going to fall on his shoulders, and he's going to have to handle it. But look, last year they were the third team in the National Football League in terms of running the ball in the first half and passing it. 46% of the time in the first half they ran the ball, 54% they threw it. Those Mm -hmm. numbers for the good teams are usually – 30% 30% run, 70% pass. So the Cowboys are now going to have to change who they are offensively. And Dak's going to have to throw it. And I think Scott Linehan's going to have to adjust the offense to have a control passing game, to get those four yards, to get out of third and long or second and long when they had Zeke and they were able to run the football effectively. Now they're going to have to use the passing game and they're going to have to utilize the arm and the mind of Prescott to offset the loss of Elliott. And then look, He's going to be suspended for six games, even though the Cowboys have a bye week, much like Tom Brady was suspended for four games. The Patriots had a bye in week four. He had to miss the Cowboys game in week five before he could come back. So I think that's that's the situation. It's six games. It's not six weeks.
0: I mean, could we see one of these things where Dallas comes out and maybe they go two and four or, you know, God knows. I mean, maybe they go one and five and they have this really rough start. I mean, is there a way? to basically what the Patriots and Brady did. you know, They were able to kind of deal with the damage without him and go 3-1. and one. Do you see Dallas being able to weather the storm, at least because they know that they, their guy will be back at a certain point?
1: I think the pressure's on Jason Garrett here. I mean, look, I, I wrote this summer when I talked about the Cowboys, and I said, indicated that Zeke was perhaps going to get suspended, about how they were going to have to modify their team and adjust to it. And I think the first five weeks are going to be de- really tough. And then you add the 49ers. They play the 49ers and the Rams in the first six games. They're Mm -hmm. at San Francisco and they're home against the Rams. So you've got to think those are two games that they can win just by having better talent. But the other games, the Giants on the road, home against Denver, home against Arizona, and then home against Green Bay, those are going to be tough games to win. And they're going to need to modify what they do offensively to go around it. I think the pressure and responsibility, everybody's talking about Dak, I think the pressure's on Jason Garrett. I think as a head coach, besides clapping, He's got to demonstrate that he can modify his team and adjust his team and utilize his skills as a head coach. That's what a head coach does. He says, instead of us doing this, we're going to do that, and that's how we're going to play the game. I think the pressure's on Jason tremendously. And my critique of Jason stems back from the Packer game. I think when you look at the Packer game and the way he set up that game plan, the way he managed that game, I think it showed that unless things go well, he doesn't make great adjustments. And that's what would concern me if I was a Cowboy fan.
0: And it's, it's one of those things now with Jason Garrett where he has tried to play it cool with this whole situation. He didn't want to comment on Ezekiel Elliott. Do you think he is going to do the whole you know, PR thing where he just doesn't even discuss Elliott in any, in any sense of the word or any, any fashion at all?
1: I mean, I think it's the next man up. I think he's got to figure out. He's got to have a meeting with his offensive staff. And I'm sure they should have done this in the off season and say, look, if we lose Zeke, what will we do? How do we handle this? How do we want to play the game? We're going to have to throw the ball more effectively. We're going to have to change the dynamic of how we call plays. I mean, as I indicated earlier, I mean, this is a team that liked to run the ball on first down. This is a team that liked to run the ball in the first half. This is also a team that was very effective at getting the lead in the first half. We didn't talk about their defense. Their defense is going to have maybe seven, eight new starters. So they're going through a complete change on defense. Now they've got to take away their best player on offense in terms of controlling the football. Because remember, during the early part of last year, the Cowboys were very effective at time of possession for their offense. They kept the ball away from their defense having to be on the field. And their defense got better as the season went along. Mm -hmm. If that reverses and their defense has to play a lot of snaps because they can't keep the ball on offense, I think it's going to create some huge problems. I think this is Jason Garrett's got to sit in his office and tell Lenahan and tell Rob Marinelli this is how we got to manage the game moving forward for the next six weeks.
0: Do you believe when Ezekiel Elliott returns in a Cowboys uniform and is eligible to play that Jason Garrett will still be his head coach? Whether We, we yeah. talked about this a couple weeks ago on the show where yeah. Jason Garrett really needs to prove himself as a head coach and now he almost has a little caveat of like, you know, we don't have our full team, our full roster, so he's not going to get the blame if things go off the rails.
1: I don't think he can survive with no excuses. I think the NFL is the no-excuse business. I think he's got to figure out a way. Because, look, the Patriots figured out a way to win games without Brady. You know, a lot of teams but the Packers figured out a way to beat the Cowboys on the road without a lot of their star players on defense. I mean, yeah. so the job of the head coach is to figure out solutions. It's not to sit there and cry about it. You have to be able to find a way. And I think this is going to put the pressure on Jason Garrett. And I, I feel like he has to modify his team – so he can get around. He's got to look at who he was offensively. You know, they were pre- predominantly a team that was going to run the ball. They were going to be in second and short. They were going to take the play-action passes. Now that stuff isn't there as much anymore because if they put McFadden on the field, I mean, McFadden has missed over 40 games in his NFL career. Yep. I mean, he's not been, you know, he's not. So he, you can't say, well, we're just going to put McFadden in there. He's going to be fine. No. He's missed over 40 games in his NFL career. And Alfred Morris is a good runner, but Alfred Morris is very poor in pass protection. Alfred Morris is very poor in the passing game. So when he's in the game, the defenses know. They tell him one another, hey, the ball's going, Alfred, because they know he's not good in protection. They know he doesn't catch the ball effectively. So they become more, more predictable with, as an offense, with, depending on what back is in the game. And defensive coordinators eat that alive. And I think that's the challenge. And this is where Jason has to be a head coach, not in charge of the assistants. You know, they signed Ronnie Hillman. That's not going to be the answer. There's no trade you're going to make. What you have to do is figure out the solution with the current roster you have. And the Cowboys have pieces. I mean, they have enough talent offensively. And I think the other misnomer, Tate, that we have to talk about, this idea that they have this great offensive line, which they do, that any back can make yards behind that offensive line. Well, these two backs that were running behind the same line Elliott was running behind you know, average 3.5 a carry combined their stats. Mm -hmm. So what people don't understand is the offensive line is good. When a back's great, it makes the line better. It's that one guy you make miss that makes the run 20 yards or makes the run 10 yards. And if you can't make that guy miss and Elliott can, then it's a four yard gain or it's a three yard gain. And that's what McFadden and Morris will bring to the table. And I think that's where the lack of of the elusiveness those plays you draw on the blackboard they look great but when you have a talent like Elliot he makes that guy miss that you don't have a counter for and all of a sudden that four yard game becomes 12 and those things add up
0: and just a final thing uh when you were in Cleveland as a GM as the Browns um dealing with a suspension and what was that process like do you have any personal anecdotes or little stories that you've had to deal with I don't know if you weren't there for the uh the Josh Gordon situation I don't I don't believe in Cleveland correct
1: No, no. Josh had, you know, Josh was, uh, he had a really good season when Hoyer was there and then Mm -hmm. the next year. But uh, there was always something hanging over your head there. I think you have to decide, you have to move forward. I think the the best case was when Tom Brady got hurt in New England. The Patriots, just by happenstance, had two quarterbacks coming in on that Monday to work out. Christopher Sims happened to be one of them. Mm. And Belichick sent both quarterbacks home without working them out because he didn't want to send a message to the team that they were going to be reliant on someone else outside the organization that they needed to bolster their team. It was a message subliminally that he was sending to the team saying Matt Castle could do the job. We have to find the solutions from within. And I think that's the message that Jason Garrett has to handle. He's got to address the team, address the media and say, look, here's the solutions that we have. We're going to work really hard to find a way to do it. We're not going to replace Zeke with one man. That's impossible. He's a very talented player. That's why he was the fourth pick overall in the draft. We've got to replace him with a team effort and then start working on that team effort.
0: Yep. Uh, We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Every throw, every catch, every two-minute drill, every fourth and inches. If it's NFL football and it happened, NFL Game Pass has got it. My favorite game of last season was the Week 3 game when the Panthers played the Falcons. It was a, a battle for supremacy in the NFC South, and of course it illuminated the fact that Matt Ryan was going to have one of the most ridiculous offensive seasons we've ever seen. I can replay the game from every angle with NFL Game Pass, by the way. Whatever your favorite game is, NFL Game Pass has got it. Better yet, they got you covered for this year's action, too. All the live out-of-market preseason games, got it. Full game replays, yep. Condensed games with all the action packed into 45 minutes, absolutely. Exclusive coaches film from the All-22, for sure. Like I said, if it's NFL football and it happened, NFL Game Pass has got it. Best of all, you can kick off the 2017 NFL season with a free NFL Game Pass trial. Sign up now at nfl.com slash the ringer. That's nfl.com slash the ringer. All right, Bill's time. All right, Lombardi, the Buffalo Bills are making some moves today. Uh, two, two big moves for them. First, uh, they announced that Sammy Watkins has been shipped to the Los Angeles Rams to join his former wide receiver buddy, Robert Woods, uh, along with a 2018 six-round pick. Uh, they're going to get EJ Gaines and a 2018 second-rounder from the Rams. And they weren't done there. They also acquired Jordan Matthews from the Philadelphia Eagles and a 2018 third-rounder for Ronald Darby, uh, a great cornerback out of Florida State, people remember from the national championship team a few years back. Um, just looking at this trade, the Buffalo Bills, they're making a lot of moves. You said this is one of the sleeper teams you want to watch this season. Do you like this deal for them? And uh, what do you see for, you know, maybe they can make some noise in the AFC East this season?
1: Well, I mean, everybody looks at them, well, they traded away two good players. I mean, Watkins has been hurt quite a bit, yep. okay? And the corner, the way that... She- Sean McDermott plays defense. Corners are they're going to be zone corners. They're going to roll up. They're going to play a lot of cover 2. They're going to play a lot of Tampa. They have to be really efficient and effective in the in the run game. Mm-hmm. And I think he was able to get value for both players. I mean, if he keeps Sammy Watkins all year, they didn't pick up the option for the fifth season. Yep. He would have gone into the compensatory pool. He would have signed as a free agent somewhere else, and perhaps the Bills would have gotten a third-round pick for him. That would have been the most, assuming that the Bills didn't spend money in free agency. Now he gets a second-round pick locked in his hip, which is better than anything he would have gotten in a competitive area. He, has the, he can go on and start building his program and doesn't have to worry is Sammy healthy or catering to that. I, I like what the Bills are doing. I think they're changing the culture in Buffalo. We talked about this in our four-person podcast yesterday. Yep. I think that McDermott's a true head coach. I think they're going to get a head coach, a guy who's going to work really hard at doing the things he has to do for the team. And I think that the Bills may not be the most dynamic team, but they're finding out who they are and they're trying to rebuild the culture within the framework of their team and I like it I really do I like it everybody says well the bills are going to fall they have first round they have two picks in each of the of the first three rounds next season they're not a bad team right now they'll play hard I don't think they're tanking at all I like I like the moves for Buffalo
0: and also buffalo I mean Jordan Matthews is a legitimate number 1 target for Tyrod Taylor I mean that's as Sammy Watkins obviously was dealing with the health stuff, but for them to get Jordan Matthews, I feel like he's kind of been under the radar in this deal a little bit. I mean, he had a great season last year for the Eagles, and uh, with Alshon being in Philadelphia now, he's probably the number one guy. This gives Matthews an opportunity to really, you know, have a new environment and a new system, and and probably get some more shine in Buffalo. So. I like it. Yeah,
1: I mean, they have Bolden as an inside slot receiver. Matthews can play in there, too. He's a bigger body. I think they're changing their team. I think this is a message to the locker room saying, fellas, we're not going to tolerate this. I mean, we're going to, you know, we're the most penalized team under the Rex Ryan administration. We made too many mistakes. We beat ourselves way too much. We're going to bring players in here that are going to comply to the system, that want to be involved in the right culture. Again, the only way you're going to beat the Patriots is you're going to have to create a culture within your building. That's what the Bills are trying to do. Fans are reacting to these player trades when the reality of these trades are more about culture building than they are about one player here and one player there. Remember, Watkins doesn't stay healthy. Darby was on a defense. They gave up a lot of yards last year. So they're a good trade for the Eagles. They needed a corner. They couldn't address that situation. And they found a way to get it resolved. They traded away an asset and a draft pick. And I think the Rams, look, the Rams are trying to get pieces around Jared Goff and they're going to recreate the Bills organization passing game from last <laughs> season. It'll be interesting to see how that all works out.
0: Yeah, that's what I was trying to wonder. I was like, does Sean McVay strictly watch Bills offense tape and decide those are my two guys? That's who I want on my team for Jared Goff?
1: I mean, Sean McVay's a, you know a young coach who obviously loves receivers and thinks that's the way to get it fixed. And look, he had some really good, talented receivers there. I think the Rams' problem are cultural. Like today they make this trade. Fortunately, they don't have to take the signing bonus acceleration with them. So. Watkins' cap number isn't as bad. They still need to get Aaron Aaron Donald re-signed. Mm-hmm. They've got to get him handled because he's holding out. And we still don't know about Goff. We're going to find out whether Goff can play or not. They've given him a couple receivers around him that'll show that he what he can do. It's going to be interesting to see. They say he's light years ahead of last year. <laughs> I'm going to have to I want to see it on the tape it, when when the game speeds up to believe it.
0: I need to figure out all these uh, adjectives and ways to describe situations, exceeds expectations and light years ahead, all this stuff. I feel like we need to have a cap of how many times you can use it. Because if you're using light years ahead and you're the Warriors, maybe that's correct. But if you're using light years ahead and it's Jared Goff, maybe you need to take a step back and reevaluate. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean,
1: it's like you're, you're not, you don't know, you don't know really. I, I mean, look, I, I think the Rams. They, their payroll is ridiculously out of balance. Yeah. They add another player into it. You know, Tavon Austin is their second I think he's their highest paid player on the team. Now we're going to find out they were just talking about how good Cooper Cooper Cup was playing their third round pick this year. They were just talking about how good he's looked at practice. So add Watkins to the mix now. You know, you got Robert Woods Watkins, you got Tavon will be in the slot.
0: Uh Pharaoh Cooper, too.
1: Yeah, and you have Cooper. Yeah, so you have got to b they've been drafting receivers. I mean, it's gonna come down to who's their left tackle. Can their left tackle block? Whitworth can. You know, they've got a good left tackle and can their right tackle play and can Goff make plays? It's all gonna come down to one guy, Goff.
0: Yep. Uh as expected, Jared Goff. All the pressure's on you. It's not his fault. He was just the number one overall pick last year. Um, I want to talk a little bit about preseason. I know that it's not the most exciting time in football, but uh we talked about this yesterday on Bill's podcast when we, we did the four person GM Street House of Carbs, every single ringer podcast all smash into one episode. Uh, about the preseason and he Bill told a story about Terrell Davis when he came out and in his first preseason game you know I looked this up afterwards he comes down and makes this big tackle um, and then he obviously ends up making the team makes a name for himself ends up becoming you know the Super Bowl winning uh, running back that we all remember. But just to say that is just that preseason really does matter and sometimes it can help get you a roster spot and launch your career. And people also remember Victor Cruz, sort of the same thing, made a big name for himself in preseason, and then from there, the rest is history. So preseason does matter in a certain sense. I know you've watched some of these games. I just wanted to see if there's any names of any guys that really have stood out to you. Obviously, mostly younger guys or maybe, you know, third string guys, third quarter guys that are coming in that uh a little under the radar, maybe not as well known, but uh, I know you're one guy, Mac Collins, had a touchdown in his first game as an Eagles uh, wide receiver. So I know you're excited about that.
1: I thought Mac played really well. I thought Mitchell Trubisky played really well last night. I was able to watch that game. I thought he played well. I thought he had good rhythm with the ball. He threw the ball effectively. He's running. You know, there was against the vanilla defense. I thought he looked more effectively. You know, and Kaiser for the Browns looked effective. I think the only way these young quarterbacks were really going to know about him is if they're really good enough, is when the game goes and they play against the first-team defense and the speed of the game becomes more effective. I think that's going to have to show. I think Dalvin Cook is going to be a really good player. He looked like it in just a little bit of footage I've seen so far. But I, I think when you watch the preseason, I think the guys that flash in Week 1, they got to see him play in Week twos and 3 against the better defenses so you can judge. Everything about preseason is the level of comp. Yep. And you can't make the all-August team. That's the one team you don't want to always be on is the All-August team. You want to be on the All-September team as a rookie, not the All-August
0: team. Could it have been a worse start for Mike Lennon's career in Chicago? He comes into the preseason game last night. He throws a pick six to open. His his quarterback rating at the end of the game was 0.0. And then the rookie that a lot of people were upset was traded up to get drafted, comes in, throws a touchdown. He's 18 for 25 on the night. Uh, has you know, he just he just looks like he has everything all together and, and he looked like he was a veteran quarterback and Glenn is just on the sideline I mean that's that's a lot of millions of dollars that is now going to be on the sideline for the for the Chicago Bears probably in the future uh, when you see that and you're Ryan Pace and you're the GM there I mean I mean uh, it's got to be a little upsetting from a GM perspective to see that but you're also excited for your rookie
1: yeah, I mean, you want the rookie to play good, but the rookie's going to play good against the, the level of comp that he went against. I mean, there was a very vanilla defense by the Broncos at that point in the game, but he it was effective, and he did exactly what he had to do. I think if, you, if you're pace, you're worried about Glennon, because you've got to have some confidence. The team's got to buy into it. The hardest thing John Fox is going to have is stand in front of his team and tell his team that Glennon's better than, <laughs> than Trubisky when it hasn't demonstrated in games. That's the hard thing to do. It's, it's the same thing that's going to happen with Sean McVay. They're going to script Jared Goff for success. Trust me. He's going to have every easy throw he can make. Yesterday, Bortles, the other day, Bortles didn't play very much against New England because they were concerned about whether he can be scripted for success. I think Bortles needs to play to show his team he would. Tanny came in and played well. We'll see what happens. But you want to script success so your team can buy into the guy first and foremost.
0: Who's going to hang around longer in uh, Florida as a quarterback, Chad Henney or Matt Moore? I just feel like those guys are just. I
1: think Matt. I think Matt Moore will. I think Henne. You know <laughs> Henne. If Henney was more accurate, I always liked Henne. I just think his yeah, accuracy. I loved Henney in college. He
0: loses, I just can't believe he's still doing like
1: some yeah, he loses the strike zone. And when you lose the strike zone, like, that's what worries you about like a Kaiser. I think you've got to be concerned as the game speeds up, is his accuracy going to be good? Kaiser's usually on the line with his throws, but sometimes they're in the dirt and sometimes they're too high. And in the NFL, those are usually ones that get picked. So I, I think you know, the accuracy when the game speeds up is going to be critical.
0: Uh, and just one last point on a rookie. Leonard Fournette came in and he said the NFL is, in quotes, it's really easy. Uh, you know, (laughs) (laughs) so that, that, the thing that comes back to, uh, it seems like these preseason games are getting more and more of these young guys that are playing more and more of the game. So it used to be at least in the first four or five series, you could see some of these guys and see how they stack up. But now it seems it's more and more of the young guys. And it's maybe given some of these rookies a little bit of a false confidence. I saw last night people were comparing Mitch Trubisky to Joe Montana. So, um, we're, we're in quite the time with the preseason stuff.
1: I mean, I think, just tell Fournette to shut up. I mean, the preseason ain't the regular season, okay? Like, did you see the inactive list for the Patriots last night?
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, it was
1: all their play. I mean, although, you know, so when you play against real players and you do good, I mean, it wasn't like he gained nine carries for 100 yards. I mean, let's face it. Sometimes saying nothing is the best thing to say. Two ears, one mouth. Use them in proportion.
0: Thanks, as always, for listening to GM Street, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. We'll be back next week. Thanks again to NFL Game Pass. Every throw, every catch, every fourth and inches. Whatever your favorite game is, NFL Game Pass has got it. Better yet, they've got you covered for this year's action, too. That includes live out-of-market preseason games, full game replays, and condensed games with all the action packed into 45 minutes. Why can't they just make the games like that? If it's NFL football and it happened, NFL Game Pass has got it. So kick off the 2017 NFL season with a free, yeah, that's right, free NFL Game Pass trial. Sign up now at NFL.com slash ringer.